Welcome back to part two of this special edition BRFCS podcast in which Bill Arthur is interviewing Stephen Caldwell. So you left Sunderland for Burnley in January 2007 and uh, you just mentioned about Steve Cottrell uh, being the manager there. Did you have any other offers or was... Yeah, I did. Um, I had a few leaving me right now. I think Coventry were interested. Um, Plymouth were interested. Uh, Presumably the attraction of... Burnley was it was relatively close to your home in the northeast. Yeah, no, it actually wasn't really that. It was more. I sort of felt like the clubs were in the same um, level at the time. I mean, all clubs were in the championship, and um, I guess Plymouth was a, was a bit far. I don't think yeah. I really. But Coventry were a big club, and I yeah. was thinking about Coventry. I'm sure Adrian Heath was the manager at the time. It's, it's crazy thinking back, you know, and especially when you, you bump into these guys' future in life. Adrian's a guy obviously yeah. coaching in Minnesota and I know pretty well now in North America. Yeah. Um, but there was opportunities there, but Steve was so persistent. He just, I went to Burnley. It was the only one that I went, I visited, and right. I met the staff, and Steve kind of took me through the ideas for the team. And then I went away, and I was mulling it over, and, you know, obviously money was an issue, and we were trying to... Get to the, the the number of the contract that I needed, and and Steve just wouldn't let it go. He was calling me all the time. He was right. mad keen on me getting there, which, yeah, which is a great feeling. Yeah, you know? it's something you really wanted, and somebody's making a real effort to get you in there. Yeah, and then you go for a guy who's pushed you at one club, and you've got this guy that's desperate for you to come. And in the end, everything just aligned, and it was sort of happening. And and I don't even know at that time if I was a hundred percent into the move. It was it was happening too fast for me, and like I say, I wasn't really ready to leave Sunderland, but. It was happening, and it was time, and um, I signed with about 10 minutes to spare on the deadline, and I was going to Burnley. You hadn't been there long when you had yet another change of manager, because Steve yeah. Cottrell left, uh, I think, partway through that season, uh, knowing Coyle came in. Yeah, so Steve, we, we finished off that first season under Steve, and we just survived relegation. We survived it comfortably in the end, but we were on that. We were on a 17-game losing streak, or mm. we didn't win for 17 games, and so... Um, yeah, I was looking at the stats, and I think when uh, Cottrell left, you were thirteenth, and then knowing Carl joined, and you moved as high as seventh. Yeah, and then sort of slipped down again a little bit and finished in thirteenth. Yeah, we we started the we survived that first season. The next season, uh, Steve started the season, and we were back and forward. And Steve had put together a good squad, but I don't think we were getting the maximum for the players. And right. anyway, it was decided he moved on and. Owen came in and Owen gave us a new lease of life we had a little bit of quality a few loan signings and some bits to go but it was back and forward mid-table that season and it was sort of heading into the next season where we made some signings that started to get really interesting Right, yeah I was going to say I mean they talk about the new manager bounce is that that a genuine thing? I mean Uh, It can be Um, I think that it depends if Things are really going off the rails when the the, the previous manager gets right. loses his job, gets sacked or let go. That can be, you know, these days sometimes managers lose the job and they probably shouldn't really lose it, and it can go the opposite right. way. But I think that Steve was starting to kind of get a bit stressed by the job, and and so Owen coming in gave people a new lease of life. The ones right. that are not playing think they've got a chance of playing, yeah. and the ones that are playing have to prove to the manager yeah. that they're they should stay in the team. So you definitely right. get a bounce by that. Yeah. But then ultimately it comes down to, is this guy going to take us forward? Has, does this guy have the right, right. ideas and tactics and man management yeah. to improve this team? And Owen did. 
Well, clearly, I mean, 2008, 2009 was the, the season you were, you were promoted. I mean, uh, that must have been an unforgettable season for you because you, you were captain. Yeah. Finished fifth in the championship and went to Wembley for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I never like to grade or rate things, but I'd be hard pushed to think of a better season than, than that one. It was it was absolutely phenomenal. And we had, we had pieced little bits together. We had some good pros, some good players. Um, you know, Owen brought in some, I think he brought in Eagles and Martin Patterson at that close mm-hmm. season. Stephen Thompson played a lot of games for us alongside the Robbie Blakes and Wade Elliott yeah. and Michael Duffs, uh, Clark Carlisle, the guys that we had there, or Brian Jensen. And you could feel some in building. Yeah. We played 60 plus games, 61, 62 games. We got to semi final League Cup. Yeah. We were really unlucky not to beat Tottenham Hotspur oh, yeah. in the two leg semi. We were, yeah. we were brilliant. And the second leg, it was. I was uh, suspended, so I missed the game. I did TV, actually. I've never seen a performance like it. You know, you're 4-1 down to Tottenham yeah. Hotspur, and you know you need to win 3-0 to take any extra time. The, yeah, we did that, it. Was, that was the score at the end. Uh, we did that, it. We it? did yeah. it. It was just a phenomenal performance, and we just miss out. They score an extra time. Yeah. And then we get to the last 16 FA Cup, and all these things played into the fact that we just believed that we were, we right. were capable. Yeah, we were a little bit inconsistent, yeah. but... We had the players. We knew we could hurt anybody in our yeah. day. We had a manager who believed in us, who gave us such confidence. Just mm-hmm. put us out there every game. We was believing that we could right. beat anybody that they right. came, especially that came at Turf Moor, but anybody yeah. in any day. And then you know we managed to get in the playoffs. And at that moment, we were just rolling along, and I, I was so confident we were going to win the playoff. Every professional wants to play at Wembley, yeah. um, so it was my dream. And I think maybe if you're Scottish, there's. Uh, even when you're young, you're like, well, this needs to happen, that needs to happen to play at Wembley. But I got the opportunity uh, with Burnley against Sheffield United. And I remember the day so vividly. It was just, you know, you wake up in the morning and, again, that confidence that we had. went for breakfast, the lads were laughing and joking. I just knew we were ready. And I was trying to be very cautious because I felt like I was too confident. <laughs> like, come on, get your head right. Anything can happen. And so being the, the kind of analytical <laughs> captain that I was, I was trying to like keep everybody yeah. on ready. But right. I just knew we were going to win. We were just ready. And it wasn't our greatest game. We didn't play that well. No, but we but, became but, really solid at the end of that season. Yeah. I have to raise a question about Wayne Coyogan that he later went to Blackburn. Yeah. be remiss of me not to. But he obviously had something about him yeah. that... that that came through that season, but he's never repeated that anywhere else. No, I mean, was it just a, a combination of circumstances? Uh, uh, I mean, what what happened that made yeah. it, that he was so successful that season, but never achieved that success again? He was very successful at Burnley because he built up to that season. So I think there was what half a season before, or, or three quarters of a season, and then that amazing season. And then I thought he was very successful in his first year or so at Bolton, even yeah. though it was in a different scale. It was yeah. about staying up and. What Owen does really well is that he, he allows people to play free, he allows people to be confident and, and get on with their jobs. And what he's not that great at is, is the tactical stuff. He's not a, a very tactical or technical yeah. manager. So so he depends upon his, the players. his coaches and the players? The coaches for sure, but the, the, the group of players is really important. Right. And I think what Owen did really well was understand it the group of players at Burnley who were... Um, just a really perfect fit and and he was part of recruiting that group and he was also fortunate that he got Mm. a majority of that group three quarters of that group but he got more out of that three quarters than than Steve could get right you know so that has to be recognised as well Clark Hillel was 
unbelievable yeah. in their own coil. I, I was fantastic. Wade Elliott went to another level. Uh, Chris McCann, yeah. Jay Rodriguez developed under own coil. Robbie Blake so had the best time in his career. So that's man management thing. You say all yeah. these players improved individually and... We were a bunch of guys who had varying levels of success at lower league or at other clubs, and we ended yeah. up at Burnley by hook or by crook, and we were at this club, and, and he gave us this belief and this opportunity to right. go and overachieve and do something that hadn't been done for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Did you, as captain and some of those senior players, did did you have a big input into the tactics? Uh, not so much the tactics, but Owen was smart enough to let us go and run the changing room. Right. Decide on the rules, decide on everything, you know. Okay. So, definitely not the tactics. Owen picked the team, Owen picked the tactics, Owen gave us that swashbuckling style that we played with. He never interfered in anything. He right. trusted in me, he trusted okay. in the senior pros to go right. and take care of the changing room. Okay. We, that was our responsibility. If somebody came in and they were acting a different way, we so, just nipped that in the bud immediately. So, maybe that's something that he didn't have at subsequent clubs. That, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. because that's important that you recognise that you have that leader or their leaders yeah. that are capable of doing yeah. that. And I, I think he was fortunate that he had that at Burnley, and I also yeah. think that he was very smart to allow us to, to use our strengths in that regard right. and to go with it, and, yeah. and, and he trusted us. I mean, his time at Blackburn, I mean, you know, a certain minority, I would think, of the fans didn't want him because of his Burnley connection. Yeah. But, but the majority, I think, didn't want him because he hadn't been as successful as he was at Burnley. Yeah. And it was a really unfortunate thing because the rumours were that Neil Warnock was going to take over. Right. Finance director went away and came back from holiday and said, uh, we have an outstanding candidate in Owen Coyle. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> that didn't go down well. But anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it there for Owen, Owen Coyle. Uh, one of the things about uh, Burnley coming up to the Premier League then uh, was that uh, after quite a break, uh, Blackburn and Burnley uh, had some local derbies. Yes. Uh, I mean, you'd experienced a local derby at New- between Newcastle and yeah. Sunderland, presumably, uh, which is a big thing. Were you, were you aware of the importance of the fans of the Blackburn-Burnley derby? Uh, yeah, I was. I don't think I was aware till I, I came to Burnley, but then I recognised that it was it was a massive game. Um, I played in the one at Ewood Park. I didn't yeah. play in the, the, the return fixture at Turf Moor, but I played at Ewood Park, and it was just... We shut down the motorways because yeah, you know kids right. going the overpasses I know, it's and stuff crazy like that. Now, isn't it? Yeah, you, I used to be able to just go to Burnley or wherever no. and go into the ground. But as you say, it's, and if you it's live in Blackburn and you're a Burnley fan, you have to come yeah, to Burnley to exactly. go to Blackburn, and it's yeah. like you know the security is crazy. And so then you go, okay, this is a real derby, you know, and yeah. you can feel the tension, the build up, the week, which you know I love. I'm missing it now, thinking about it, and it was a fantastic game. I, I think we yeah, lost Robbie, 3-2. Yeah, Robbie Blake scored Oh, first. he scored a great goal in the early yeah, stages, didn't he? I saw that he? on YouTube the other night. And then yeah. I think Wade scored a really good goal as well for us, Wade Elliott. Uh, and Franco DeSanto, who became a teammate at Wigan a bit later, he had a wonderful game. Yeah. Uh, he, he scored a couple of goals. Maybe, yeah, I think or, it was 3-1 by... Yeah. Robbie Blake scored, and then it was 3-1 by half-time. Yeah, but a great experience and, and real, uh, you know, like you could I, sense the atmosphere yeah. in the stadium. I mean, what's the do- what's it like leading up to a derby game? I mean, do, do you get more hyped up for it? Do you, do you go out on the field and think, right, we've got to make our mark straight away? And yeah. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. I think you have to. You need to, like, match the intensity, but the, the, the issue is, like, just keeping that on the... The yeah. right level, yeah. you know, you don't yeah, want to get no, too hyped. Yeah, don't want to get a red card enough, in five minutes you know? or something. Yeah. So it was that fine line between, you know, what was right. Um, and yeah. and I think we did that. 
that season was really tough for me because I had a lot of injuries. Even when I was fit, I was injured. Right. I had real problems with my groins and my, my pelvic area. And and so, you know, I think back to a lot of the games, it was a little bit bittersweet because I was either taking painkillers or going through pain just to play. And, and it was... Um, it was frustrating because I'd waited all this time and I was so proud to be captain of a team like Burnley in the yeah. Premier League and I sort of couldn't enjoy it because right. I was in pain. Of course, you went down again that season. Yeah. The Lancashire Telegraph at the time speculated that relegation was not due to Owen Coyle leaving or Brian Laws, but just to the poor away record. Uh, but, I mean, it struck me when you read something like that, isn't that something that the manager should be addressing? Well, so my answer on that is that we wouldn't have got relegated if Owen had stayed. Right. Owen went to Bolton uh, in the January and we would have stayed up. We had some very winnable fixtures and I know the way we were thinking and playing that we would have went into the games with a great deal of confidence and I, I think we would have got the points needed to stay up. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the away, warm, away so, form was poor under Owen but that was because we were an attacking team. Right, yeah. A little bit like what we spoke about yeah. at the start of this show, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we were an attacking side and then Brian came in with a complete opposite mentality Right. Brian was looked at the way form looked at the fact that we were maybe conceding too many goals and went right we need to tighten up and bunker in and be defensive and hang in a game and all these yeah. words that are very relevant and Burnley are playing like that now but that's not how that Burnley right. team plays it wasn't even like he got an 8 week pre-season to get that right it was yeah. like you transition during games during yeah. the season yeah. and I don't think that worked and I think that was a bad choice by the Burnley right. board not because, no disrespect to Brian or the coach that he was, but it was so different for Owen, it was a bad choice to bring him in. Uh, just as an aside, I'm uh, going to take this opportunity to mention that I too have a Burnley connection. OK. I might be a Blackburn supporter. I actually went to school with the Burnley chairman, Barry Kilby. Oh, right, I know Barry we, yeah, well. And we played in the school team together and... Uh, also in that team at the time was uh, was Martin Dobson. Okay, yeah. So I just thought I'd get in that little plug for my limited <laughs> football yeah, career. Great, yeah. <laughs> okay, so from the highs of uh, one season to the lows of another, and then you were released at the end of that season by Burnley, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, my contract was up, and I think that with any new manager, if you're uh, the previous manager's captain... A lot of times you're the one that, that needs to go, you know, and so I don't, I didn't play a lot of games that year. I wasn't fit, so yeah, it was it was sort of an inevitable thing. I wasn't expecting Burnley to offer me a contract. They, right. they probably were never going to offer me a contract that would have made me stay. Yeah. Um. So there was no real shock for me. I, uh, I think it was just inevitable that we went our separate ways. No animosity between Brian and I or anything like that it was just one of the things okay. and yeah. I was going to go in for another challenge and I needed to go and play somewhere else and you went to Wigan I did yeah it took a while I was I was um, without a job for a little bit that summer and I was starting to get a bit worried there was a few nearly went to Leeds again um, Sheffield Wednesday were interested Alan Irvine was head so coach who was at Wigan? Who was the Wigan manager at the time? Uh, Martinez? Roberto Martinez. Was, right. okay. So the, the Wigan came about because Leeds kind of fell through and Chef Wed was an option with under Allen, but uh, they were League One and I didn't really want to drop to that level. Right. Um, and so I got a chance to go and train at Wigan for a week or two. Mm-hmm. My brother was there; he was yep. captain at the time, and so Roberto took me in. and And my brother was coming off a hip operation; she was going to miss three months, and so I think. It was a good fit that I went there. I understood that I wasn't going to be a regular first-team player, which was a bit unusual in the previous five or yeah. six seasons. So I kind of took a chance there, and, and I went, and I trusted in Roberto, and I went to kind of learn a different style and a different experience, and I'm glad I did it again. Right. A, a big 
a big learning period for me and my uh, my, my thought process under a, a, a unique coach in Roberto, a total football guy, yeah. a guy that believed in process of how you play, how you build up the right. game and kind of went against what I'd felt and believed before. Changed the way that I thought in a lot of areas and I, you know, I commend him in that because I'm quite a stubborn guy but <laughs> we had some great discussions again, a, a lot of respect between us right. and I'm glad I got to play for him. But then you moved on to Birmingham, didn't you, for your last couple yeah. of uh, seasons and uh, had the opportunity to play in the Europa Cup? Played in the Europa League with, with Birmingham uh, wonderful experience to play with, again a club that hadn't been there for 50 years one of the best games atmosphere wise I ever played in was the, the, the play-in game that we, we beat National from Portugal right. uh, the city, we drew 0-0 in the first leg in Madeira and we, we should have won, we were a better team We had, the, I think I had a post actually we had a post, we had some chances and then we came back to St Andrews and it was packed, yeah. packed. Yeah, I and I don't think St Andrews has been packed like that for, for years, you right. know. And we, we beat them 3-0, young Nathan Redmond is now at yeah. Southampton, scored a wonderful goal. And it was just an amazing night, you could hardly hear yourself on the field, it was so loud and such a great atmosphere. Our, our kit man then at the time, he was, um, he'd been at Birmingham for 20, 30 years, we watched him all his life, right. he said... He'd never seen an atmosphere like that at St Andrews for yeah. many a year. And yeah. You got to the, uh, to the playoffs that year as well, but yeah. lost out in the playoffs. Yeah, I got injured that year um, at Portman Road at Ipswich. I um, I really had got a bad one, my groin, or, or, or ruptured my groin. And so I was out of the playoffs. Um, we played Blackpool. So that season concluded your uh, playing career in, in, uh, in England. Yep. Uh, just as a little sub-note, I noticed that your last game was the... 4th of May 2013 at Birmingham when you were a substitute for Birmingham against Blackburn. Yeah, was that against Blackburn? Was <laughs> yeah. that? I can't remember that. <laughs> anyway, so then uh, then you've made the big move to Toronto. I mean, how did that come about? Um, well, a Blackburn legend, that's how it came about. Ryan Nelson uh, was, was the new head coach for Toronto yep. FC. So Ryan needed some reinforcements here. Toronto were a team that were struggling for a number yeah. of years and they needed some some leadership and some direction and, and, and Ryan had earmarked me as that guy so I was chatting back and forward with my agent and then I, you know Ryan wanted me to come immediately mm-hmm. and I'd played a lot of games for Birmingham 45 games or something that season and I needed a break I felt so he said well you know Ryan wants you now call Ryan up and explain and I'm sure you'll like him we had played against each other but yeah. we weren't friends we didn't yeah. know each other so I called Ryan up and um to tell him I'd come in July if he still wanted me and he convinced me to come the next week <laughs> so <laughs> I come back through and you know I, you know, I said to my wife uh, you know she said oh, do you tell Ryan you, you know I'll leave next week to Toronto I'm getting on a plane she was like you what we're supposed to be going to Florida and different places so that was it I, I could tell someone in Ryan's voice that this was right you know yeah. and I made that leap and I took the decision and I'm glad to say it's yeah. one of the best decisions I ever made. Well, as I say, the British listeners probably don't know, but you, you very quickly became a TFC favourite and, and revered by the fans, and you captained the team. Yeah. Uh, and I know from my own experience of watching the team that you improved them immensely from a defensive viewpoint. And uh, I read a stat the other day that said that uh, you improved the goals against average from 1.5 to 1 in a very, a very quick time. Yeah, it was exactly that. We were in, in need of a leader. We had some, some good young players. We needed to make some um, roster changes, we yeah. call it, in North America again. And, and we were going to go through that transitional period. But it was more than that. It was the 
the investment from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, the parent company of TFC, and, and the the sort of promise of better times ahead that just made this such an exciting project. And and so um, within weeks, Ryan and I were pretty close friends. We still are. We keep in touch. He's a, a brilliant guy and What's a brilliant he coach. Now, he's he's not coaching. He's, Ryan's a businessman. He's doing loads of different things. <laughs> right. He's such a successful guy. Ryan yeah, because I want, you know, as a Blackburn fan, I wanted him to be successful here. No. I mean, having come here myself and watched TFC, and well, I, I, I saw him wanted him to succeed, but I mean, why do you think he didn't? Well, I just think Ryan's such a successful guy. Ryan could have played cricket for New Zealand, right. he could have he played soccer at such a high level. Um, he could have went, he was at Stanford, he had the opportunity to go to Harvard. He's a smart, smart guy. Yeah. And I think that um, he had, he came here. He was a. I thought he was a great coach. I thought he had some great ideas. I think that the situation didn't develop like he would like, and in the end, um, he was a victim of circumstance. There was some changes, and and yeah. that's the way it went. And he moved on. And unfortunately, when you've got options and you're a successful guy. It's not a wise move to be a head coach, is it? Because you're going to keep getting sacked. So he made the sensible decision, much to my chagrin, because I wanted him to be a coach, and I, th- yeah. I thought he had the potential to be a very good one, but right. he's doing other things now. Yeah, I mean, the standard in MLS is... I mean, I first came to Canada in 2008, and the standard since then has improved yeah. immeasurably. It's just so much better. I mean, for the benefit of British listeners, I mean, what stand, how would you equate that with English football now, the standard in MLS? Well, the question I get asked more than any other is that, and it's very difficult. I'll try and explain why. Um, the, the parity within MLS is, is great. The, the difficulties in travel, for example, yeah. is... You know, at Newcastle, we'd turn up to a strip, we'd put a bag through a little check and we'd walk on a jet, you know, and here you have to stand in the Air Canada line like everybody else. Yeah, there's some little privileges, but it's tough. You need to work out when you eat, when you drink, you're travelling fast distances. You're playing in the summer, it's 100 degrees in DC and in Kansas and in Houston. and mile high in Denver or whatever. So there's challenges everywhere you go. You travel uh, three time zones to go and play in the West Coast and and, and and these are things that make it really difficult to compare it and they make it a tough league. And when I first came here, I think the quality of the squads was not what it should be. I was very surprised with quality a lot of players mm. um, and indeed the league in general. But yeah. um, there was still some lads that you know were, were below the standard. And now you see it getting better every year. Yeah. The money's coming in more and more uh, to the point where I think that it's really up there. It's a different style of game. It's a yes. summer game, yeah. so it's slower. It's The pace varies. It doesn't feel slower when you're on the field, I can tell you, <laughs> but it's just a different cadence and tempo to the game. you right. know. And, and I think when you see a team like the MLS Cup champions in Atlanta uh, with Miguel Almiron and Joseph Martinez, for those who don't know, you know Miguel Almiron's Paraguayan international He's yeah. gonna. They'll know him soon because he's going to sign for one of the Premier League teams in, in right. the month of January, um, reportedly Newcastle or West Ham, um, and and you got Joseph Martinez of Venezuela, and uh, you have all these you know you mean, young South Americans. You mean Mike Ashley's actually going to spend. Well, some we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be Mike Ashley, but I know they're keen on him. He's a wonderful player, left yeah. footer, yeah. fast. So you're starting to see you know 11, 13, 14 yeah. players. At such a high level, yeah. and to me, it's inevitable that this will be one amazing, of the strongest in the yeah, world. Yeah, and I think there's it's, there's an amazing appetite for football in North America, isn't there? I mean, when you look at the, you mentioned Atlanta, you know, they've two years, yeah, 
and two they, years. They win the MLS Cup. Yeah. MLS Cup, seventy-three thousand crowd yeah. there in Atlanta. Yeah, because they do it right. Amazing. It is. Yeah. They do it right though. They, they build the training ground. They get the infrastructure. They, you know, they, they invest in young players who are profitable, who are going to make them money. Mm. Uh, and I've did that uh, in Atlanta, and there's sort of blueprint for everybody else. We've got Nashville coming, my David Beckham in Miami. Yeah. Uh, the cities are wonderful. So it's there's loads of upside to MLS. It's still a bit behind. It's going to take time, but it's coming, and it's coming really quickly. Yeah. You retired in 2015. Yep. And uh, you started doing analysis for TSA. No, I, I mean, did. Was, how did that come about? Was it just because of your connections with TFC? And the... Uh, yeah, the, the, the first connection was, you know, I asked the, the communications manager at TFC if there was any opportunity for me to go on a Premier League show. Um, there's two broadcasters in Canada, there's Sportsnet and there's TSN, so I was open to either at the time, and thankfully for me, TSN took up the opportunity um, and I went and I did some shows when I played in the off season yeah. fortunately it became more consistent and yeah. to the point where when, when Jason DeVos the um, Canadian international and ex-Wigan and Ipswich player yeah. he, he moved into a fantastic role with Canada soccer and then freed up all his shifts for me and I just yeah. kind of moved enjoy, into his you enjoy role that? I do yeah. I do I really enjoy it it's, it's a lot of fun it's um, it's nothing's like playing no, Nothing no. will ever imitate that, but it's close. Yeah, and I really like. I call TFC games, so I'm you know the color commentator yeah. for TFC. That's uh, very much like playing because it's random. You yeah. have good days, you have bad days, and you're clear sometimes, right. and you see the the action. And other days, it's it's more difficult. So I enjoy it. So what what are you doing when you're not on TFC? Uh, I'm very passionate about the grassroots side of the game, so I do. Uh, some stuff in that I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to get more into that in the new year and, and partner with somebody and try and really um, create a, a high performance right. pathway for, yeah. for the kids here I, I think there's a lot of talent here there's a lot of opportunity heading towards the Home World Cup in 2026 right. um, so I'm passionate about that I'm, I'm going to really get into that I do some leadership and, and teamwork stuff with a great friend of mine called Nancy Spotton and she and I or her and I are, are working on a number of projects okay. and how we can help build culture and values within any organisation. So it sounds like your intention is to stay in Canada. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, you, I mean, you never say never in football, yeah. do you? You don't know what yeah. comes up. But And how do, how do the family like being here? They love it. My, my two boys, 10 and 11, they, they're very happy here. They're budding young soccer players themselves. Good. And uh, Sorry for saying soccer, but I'm so used to it here in yeah. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When it, I think this is the first time I've talked about football for a while. <laughs> uh, but the family's settled. You're settled. Yeah, things are looking pretty good. Yeah, they are. Before we uh, started recording, I think I mentioned about Tony Mowbray and asked him whether asked you whether you'd ever come across him in your career. Yeah, you have. I have a number of times, and um, you know, I know, I know Tony pretty well, but never through my playing career, but more my brothers. Right, he signed. Um, he played for uh, Tony at Hibs, at Hibernian FC in Scotland, and. Um, and then he played for Tony at Celtic as well. Right. So he knows Tony really well. And brilliant coach. Yeah. Like a real, a great guy first and foremost and a great coach. Yeah. A guy with great ideas in the game. Was terrific for Hibs. Had such an exciting team at Hibs. Right. It, the sad thing is if that Hibs team could have somehow found the investment to keep their lads together, right. they probably would have won the league. Yeah. They, had, they had Gary Caldwell, they had yeah. Scott Brown, they had Kevin Thompson yeah. who went to Middlesbrough. They had uh, Gary O'Connor who went to Russia and played for. They, had, they ended up with Steve Whitaker, yeah. played a little bit of Norwich right. Rangers. So they had about 
in the end, eight or nine, Stephen yeah. Fletcher. Well, I think, you know, given, given the difficulties Blackburn have been through since uh, the Venkies took over at the club yeah. and uh, they got rid of Sam Allardyce and went through, I can't remember yeah. how, however many managers in so many years. I mean, Tony Mowbray has brought uh, a great stability to the club. And I think it, although it's disappointing to get relegated two years ago, I think actually having that full, his first full season in League One yeah. and coming straight back has, has helped to stabilise things. And you, you never hear a word, a bad word said Good. about him. Yeah, Good, I'm glad great. about that because, yeah. like I say, he's a great guy uh, as well and he deserves his success. Yeah. You've never thought about management? Uh, I've thought about it. I think about it every day, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe I'm going in the old Ryan Nelson thought process <laughs> where managers get sacked and they have to move and leave cities and I, I kind of like Toronto. Yeah. Before we finish, I've just got a couple of other things I want to ask you about. Yeah. I, I mentioned that Gary, Lanik, Gary Lineker and... Uh, Danny Baker doing a podcast, and Gary said on a podcast I listened to recently, he never ever listened to a half-time talk by the manager. He just used to sit there and nod his head. Yeah, well, he's a striker. He's selfish, isn't he? That's, <laughs> that's what strikers do. Probably only concerned if he scored a goal or so. But I listened to every single talk listen, that manager gave. Well, yeah. I guess as captain of teams, yeah, well, you you would take those instructions onto the oh, field, yeah. weren't you? What's the daftest thing you ever did on a football pitch? Oh. The daftest thing, probably getting sent off. There's nothing worse than that feeling of, you know, walking off the field. And especially in a away stadium and fans are giving you I remember abuse. when Ryan Nelson was there. Ryan flew his top when you got sent off. Wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not because of what you yeah. did, but because of the referee. Kansas City, yeah. yeah. He was the happy, it was a high foot, wasn't yeah. it? It was never a red card. That. Right. Two more questions, Stephen. Who's the central... Defender that you most admire as a central defender yourself. Yeah. Oh, great question. I, I think I'm going towards Van Dyke, but I, I love Koulibaly at Napoli as well, and right. I've got a great deal of respect for Sergio Ramos and the winner that he is. But I think he's maybe just in the downside of his career now, even yeah. though he's stopping for Real Madrid. Yeah. Did you have a nickname when you were playing? No, uh, not really. I used to. I mean, I get called Skip if I was captain a lot of times at Burnley, especially and. Sometimes Steve-O, but never really a nickname. Yeah, right. How would you like to be remembered as a footballer? Uh, pretty simple, just someone who gave their all, who was completely committed to, to any club he played for. Um, uh, I mentioned a few times my my um, the, the privilege it is to play professional f- football. I think the older you get and, and, and the, the more years you're out of the game, you realise what a position you were in, what a life it is. And and uh, to grasp every opportunity you get and the only way you can grasp the opportunities is by by giving your all, working hard, being professional I, I think I did all these things pretty well I don't think I had abundance of talent I don't care about that I can look in the mirror now and say OK, I, I gave everything I gave I played at some great clubs I played for my country I played with my brother, with my country there's so many achievements yeah. that I'm very proud of and, okay. and, and that to me is the, the legacy that I have okay. That's great Okay, well, thanks very much for talking to me for the podcast today. I mean, it really has been a pleasure and I've I've enjoyed listening to your stories. Wish you every success for the future, whatever that holds for you. (laughs) Thanks, Bill. (laughs) Appreciate it. You're listening to the BRFCS podcast, the only podcast approved to cover the 2018-2019 season by the New York City Rovers. Don't forget to check out www.brfcs.com. By the way, massive thank you to Joe Bamford, uh, BRFCS forum member and his band The Symmetry 
for providing all the incidental music used in this episode. I hope you'll look them up on Facebook, and if they're playing live near to you, well, go and see them. This ain't no 